Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and I hope you're enjoying your way through the 50 most relevant. It's who I think are the most relevant players across your super coach, your dream team, and your AFL fantasy side. We're getting close to exiting the 40s. Some interesting names have dropped. And today, maybe another interesting one for you. In at number 44 on the 50 most relevant, he had a breakout season last year. Luke Davies Uniac is who we're talking about on the podcast today. Joining me, you may have seen this man's work across Twitter on DT Talk or on a brand new channel that has been around just over the past couple of months. I'm talking about the AFL Fantasy Fanatics. You can find them on Twitter. Joining me, though, the man behind it all, Bales. Hello, mate. How are you? Thank you, MJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, good to talk fantasy as always. And uh, LDU is definitely a player that I think people got to have on their watch list at least in the preseason coming up. Yep, no, 100% with you on that. Just the 23 years of age, North Melbourne Kangaroos midfielder. And last year was the breakout year, and he had some incredibly big scores to go with it. A 145 versus the Magpies was his top score last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, and that is also his career-high score. While in that same game, career-high and seasonal-high scores in Supercoach, a 149. He finished the year with an average of 93 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 101.2 in Supercoach. In that format, he'll set you back just under $560,000, just over 820k in AFL Fantasy, and just a clip under $850,000 in Dream Team. Bales, North Melbourne fans have not had a lot to smile about over the past couple of years, but especially in the back half of 2022, there were some incredible moments, not just from fantasy perspective, but in a footballing perspective, because Luke Davies, Uniac, boy, this boy can play some footy, can't he? Yes, yes. Very impressive uh, player. Obviously, I, I just as we spoke off camera, I think he reminded me a bit of Connor Rosie last year where they sort of broke out as that, at that the dominant midfielder in their in their team. So obviously previous years we've had like your likes of Cunningtons and Simpkins have been the main two there. Whereas I think last year, obviously Cunnington not playing, Sim can have a bit of a down. I think LDE took that step up, especially as you mentioned the back half of the year. And he's got that really good mix, um, which I'm sure we'll delve into a bit more as well. But that midfield being outside and inside uh, mix, and and he's definitely got all the traits to be a superstar competition for for the better part of a decade to come. Yeah, he he wins the ball tough in the contest, gets plenty of clearances, and then has many media commentators of a kind of fondly reminisced of a young Chris Judd with that power and speed to separate from a contest and to create open space. And definitely, I think that's a very, very valid comparison when it comes to LDU. The signs of that 2022 breakout was even just starting to be there in 2021. Um, if, if you look very deeply into that year, there's enough to go, oh yeah, maybe this kid can move from potential to a proven fantasy player. He averaged 81.6 in 2021 in fantasy and dream team, uh, 11 scores over 82. And to date, it was his only ton. It was a 115 against the Tigers. While super coach in 21, he averaged the 84.9, five tons, and then three additional scores between 90 and 99. 
but it was as Bales you suggested. It was his 2022 year that he really emerged. 25 yeah. touches is when he really stepped his game up to the next level, going at an efficiency of 77%, ranking 11th in the league for center clearances per game and 14th in the league for inside 50s per game. And then from a fantasy perspective, well, he finished the season with 11 tons, four over 120, including a 129 and that career high 145 against the Pies in Dream Team and Fantasy, an average of 93, while over in Supercoach, 10 tons, five over 120, and, and some really nice ceiling for players in this format. 138, 141, 149, and five additional scores between 92 and 97. He ended the year with an average of 101.2. But you've mentioned the end of the year was really when he kind of put it together, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Obviously, um, that ceiling obviously broke through that ceiling last year and was able to put up those scores in in AFL Fantasy over the 120s, obviously up to the 145s, and then obviously in Supercoach as well. Obviously, he's he's a good Supercoach, but obviously, as we mentioned, uh, he's, he uses the ball well, breaks lines. He's got that mix of inside ball where he can get the contest possession, which obviously gets you more points with Supercoach, and also um, he's a good use of the ball, which obviously gets you the points as well. So it's 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 only the, the ceilings. He's, he's got an amazing ceiling, obviously, as shown, and, and it'll just continue to improve as he plays more games and hopefully he can put it together for a whole season. And I think that's what's got people excited about is this 14 stretch of games is enough to give us some confidence that this is not just a hot flash or a, or a nice month or elements landed his way. He's got the potential there between round one to eight. Now there is an injury affected game in these averages that I'm about to tell you. And it ultimately factors into his price point over the year, dislocated his shoulder early in a game against the Eagles missed the following game, but between round one to eight, he averaged just the 82.7 in super coach and the 72.3 in AFL fantasy and drink team. However, the final 14 games of the year, 110.5 in Supercoach, 103.3 in AFL Fantasy. And that's why people are looking at him as a starting squad option going, man, for, for a guy that's probably got 12 to 15 points per game of value, I could really jump on board in a Luke Davies Uniac season to really see him pop. But you've mentioned a few names earlier, Bales, in this episode. I'm keen to get your take. He really was one-man band through the midfield. Outside of Simpkin, who was a little unders, where I think we'd all forecasted him to be, there was some names missing and there's some names coming back in. Talk me through how you think this North Melbourne midfield mix will really come in, because I don't think his midfield role is under question, but it's the elements around him. I'm keen on your take. What's that fantasy impacting him? So, yeah, so that obviously, that's a, obviously great points. Uh Again, we used Rosie a little bit before, obviously a bit like him where you had your wines was a little bit uh, like, yeah, obviously injury and I think the heart issue or something like that. And then you had like Butters was injured, forward line, midfield, whatever. Drew obviously was in there. You then had a heap like Boke was uh, playing in there as well. So, but then you go to North Melbourne, obviously no Cunnington. Obviously he comes back into the side this season with a full preseason under his belt. You got... Where's Taron Thomas going to play? He's going to play back line, forward lines. He's going to go in the midfield. Mm. Simpkin obviously was a little bit unders. You'd imagine that he'll take that step probably back up again to what he was the year before. So there's and then obviously George Wardor as well is is, is he going to play? Will Phillips didn't play last year as well. So there's yeah. like 
there's a heap of names there that that are going to be in there. So what's that midfield mix going to be? So like, I don't think Cunnington can really play anywhere else other than the midfield. So you'd imagine that him and LDU will be two of the names in there. So then you've got Simpkin. So it's going to be really interesting to see what that, what that midfield mix is. But I think that LDU is that main guy in there. So it'll just be how do the players around him affect him other than will he play midfield? Yeah, and, and the tag will, if teams choose to opt into tagging North Melbourne, it will 100% come to him. We talked about Chad Warner just a few days ago. It's maybe not so much they're the best midfielder, although with LDU, I think it is the case, but it's more that burst of speed and power to get away from the opponents to really create opportunities is what's there. Again, remember just five minutes ago, he's just outside the top 10 for center clearances and just outside the top 15, just inside the top 15 for inside fifties for his team. So with some support, people would be expecting that to increase, but it's not always the case. Sometimes more support just clips that ceiling a little bit more. I, I looked through some of the 2021 and 2022 data just to get an indication of how much does he have to get to to make it a worthwhile starting squad selection. Because at this price point, definitely in Supercoach and Dream Team, when you're outlaying a 100 already in Supercoach and a 93 in Fantasy and Dream Team, if you're investing that much capital, man, you're holding him to round 24, barring an injury or a suspension. So um, last season in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, we had 24 players that went 100 or more, 12 going 105, just the six over 110. While in 2021, we had 29 players average triple figures, 22 over 105, and 10 going 110 or higher. So that's really where we're seeing a trend to go. Now, Supercoach, the points are the same in totality in every game, but it is interesting to see how it works out. 44 players last year with triple figure averages. This is across all lines. Um, 17 over 110 and just the seven over 115. While Supercoach the year prior, 43 averaging 100 plus, 19 over 110 and 14 over 115. And so really, Bales, I suppose if we see just a small drop of five points per game off what he did in that back 14 weeks, he now becomes only a 105 guy in Supercoach and only a 98, 99 guy. And man, that's a hard spot to not just justify starting with, but then to justify trading out when they're so close to being in those premium territories. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. You made a very good point there. And and it was interesting. I remember speaking um, with this uh, Tim uh, last night on, on our podcast um, that last year, those midfielders, uh, particularly in AFL Fantasy, they went from the top eight midfielders were averaging over 110 and then it became the back half of the the top eight were averaging that 107, 106. And then you had like a McRae just outside averaging 103. So that that drop off from the year prior where there was a lot more 110. So if this was last year, we averaged 103 from LDU, you, you take that. Whereas mm. maybe this year, I would imagine that the midfielders are going to push it back up again. I think maybe all eight, if not at least six or seven are going to average over 110. So that 103 is probably not going to cut it. You're probably going to want that 105 plus to, to make it worthwhile. And then obviously super coach, obviously the scoring a little bit higher, especially from those midfielders, you're going to be wanting him to average pretty much 110 uh, or around that mark to, to make him worthwhile picks. So obviously that's, that's the thing. Can, can he sustain it for a full season? Can he get through um, the tag barriers and, and any other barriers in terms of who he's in the midfield with and, 
and push on and, and become a worthwhile pick. That's obviously what we've got to watch in the preseason. Yeah, and that becomes the challenge with people kind of justifying starting him. They, they too often go, man, I'd rather get a genuine stepping stone. I'll go down to a sheed. I'll go down to a warple. I'll, I'll go down to these, even a hopper in, in Supercoach, maybe not so much in the other formats, but I'll go for these guys that are genuinely going to make me 20, 30 points per game of value, and then I'll trade them to the top end guys. Yeah, and then obviously uh, with him as well, the thing that makes it a bit difficult with his price point is there's certain uh, a certain pig that's around that same price, Tom Mitchell, who I know a lot of people are keen on. So can you fit both in? Can you put two of those guys that maybe you're not 100% sure if they can go 105 plus? So that's obviously the question that coach got to ask themselves. Yeah, correct. Great options around his price. Anderson, Tom Mitchell, Tom Green, all these guys kind of set, and Chad Warner, who we spoke about just the other day, all in the same range. Value beneath him, some really nice cash cows. And then that upper end of premiums that you spoke about earlier. If you don't start with them, some of these guys are very, very hard to get into, especially in Supercoach, where we're talking about this 120 ceiling of guys like Oliver and Neil to, to get up into. So that's why for some, they'll look at a price point of LDU and as much as he's likely to push past that 100 average again, is it enough to warrant it? Well, for some, they go, no, there's some value here. And I think he can be around it. It's why he's in the 50 most relevant. He's he's worth a conversation. He's worth a watch list. And as you start to tinker with your teams, every change you make can impact the other 29 players in your starting squad. And all of a sudden, an LDU who you're like, no, oh, nah, he doesn't help going, well, but he could go 110. He could go 105. And that saves me some money to get me something else. So it's all about the totality of it, not just about one player. All right, before we wrap up the podcast, we got to talk about where he goes on draft day. Bales, he's currently ranked um, as the 21st best super coach midfielder based on 2022 data and 35 in AFL fantasy and dream team. He'll obviously get drafted a little bit ahead in Supercoach for the reasons you've mentioned throughout the podcast. What kind of midfield position are we are we starting to look? Is it M2, M3, M4? Where, where's he kind of going and targeting on draft day? So obviously this it depends obviously on draft. Some people have got obviously different players in the squad that there's different, like there's a different amount of defenders, mids and forwards and rucks and stuff. And then you have captains on or off and buys on or off. So it all depends on that. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. But I think that, he would go anywhere from that late M2 to early M4. So probably puts him at that uh, that M3-ish range that Sweet you spot. look at. He's not going to be your, your walk-up captain every week that you put, um, like those top echelon guys. But he's a guy, if you can get him at your M2 or M3, or even if you're M4, if he falls late in some drafts, mm. that can really break out and, and could be one of those league-winning picks that obviously that's what you've got to try and search for every year, that, that player that can elevate their game into that uh, that elite bracket um, the that year. So it'd be very interesting to see where he goes. I'd probably have him M3 or something. Where would you have him, MJ? Yeah, I'm pretty similar. So he's he'd be ranked right now as an M4 in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy format drafts and a very, very early M3. I, I think that's about right. He's got the potential to go, jump right up to an M2. But just looking at Supercoach, um, ranked beneath him, are some pretty important names. Tom Mitchell, who you've alluded to, Bailey Smith, 
even Noah Anderson and Tom Green might attract an earlier selection than him. So I think you're right, M3's there. He could drift to an M4 in AFL Fantasy, but I think M3's about right. He's inside the top 30 mids in terms of what I forecast for the coming year. And again, George Hewitt, Jaden Short, Will Brody, Travis Spoke are all ahead of him in terms of seasonal averages. But I think people will jump on LDU probably ahead of those guys. Short's the only one that might go ahead of him. And that's more for the hope of a DPP reallocation during the, the season than anything else. But boy, oh boy, LDU is an absolute fun player to own. The injury concerns that were there at the start of his career, they are well and truly gone now. He is on the path to becoming one of the most breathtakingly fun players to own in fantasy. Hey, Bales, appreciate your work on this podcast today, mate. Thank you very much, MJ. Appreciate you uh, having me on and always good. As I said at the start, talk about fantasy, but LDU definitely a player that's going to be uh, very interesting. So definitely one for the watch list. Uh, if you want to go and find uh, Bales, we've included his Twitter handle as well as the AFL Fantasy Fanatics handle in the bio of this podcast. So you can just simply jump in there, do on that, click it, and all of a sudden you can follow the great man and get all his takes. They do some Twitter spaces. They've done videos before and a bunch of different stuff. So if you haven't followed him or checked him out before up until this point, please make sure you do that. In 60 seconds time, I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue about who's coming in at the number 43 of our most relevant. If you are loving these podcasts and the articles that come alongside it at coachespanel.tv, then make sure you jump on and become a Patreon for just a couple of bucks a month. It's one of the ways you can help support the coaches panel, but also get access to exclusive groups, more content, more podcasts, and get these episodes 24 hours earlier. So who is at number 43? He started last year as one of the guys that was hugely popular as a value pick and became a premium you could hold for the year. But can you pay top dollar for him Entering into 2023. That is the question we will discuss tomorrow on the 50 Most Relevant.